Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What was behind the remarkable phenomena we experienced in Pennsylvania May 23rd to 26th? Can you see a UFO close up by remote viewing? How can paranormal experiences change your life? Hello and welcome to the 797th broadcast of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, and this is our 12th year on the air. I'm Ben, and today we bring you an open line show with our favorite guest co-host, Shane Searway. And we welcome your calls today at 401-766-1240 from anywhere, and you can email Paul at Behind the Paranormal or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, first, a very happy Father's Day to everybody. Um, and a happy Father's Day to you as well, Father. Thank you very much, Ben. <laughs> Before we get to individual communications from listeners, uh, we got a pile of questions about our experiences on the 6th expedition to the Pennsylvania Triangle at the end of May. Uh, that was covered extensively on, a, on the live two-hour special we broadcast from there on May 26th, and that is available uh, at our restored website, uh, both uh, as a video feed and an MP3 audio, uh, just go to the archives and then the 2019 shows page, and it's it's right in there. So, so we have summarized uh, the most common questions, uh, but first, uh, you guys were having you know all all sorts of fun, or you guys were having all sorts of fun um, <clears throat> in Pennsylvania while I was back here at the studio studio manning the board here, and uh, you know just. Briefly, as, as briefly as you can, summarize pretty much what happened. Okay, uh, Shane, why don't you take that one? All right. And then I will embe- not embellish, but <laughs> right, so add anything you may have sprinkled. What are we looking at, like a quick summary? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, like a, maybe a timeline or something, I don't know. Okay, yeah, so on a, on Thursday, uh, it was a Thursday, we, we arrived, um, minus two individuals who showed up the next day, but it was uh, m- myself, Paul, um uh, Chuck Credo and Alexander Petikoff and, and the homeowners and um, so the, the the first night we we kind of just got it settled in a little bit and and we um, that that night later on that night we witnessed a, a pretty crazy UFO event and um, I'll just do the summary now we'll talk more about it after and um, the following night we which was a Friday um, we all got together kind of did a little meditation on top of uh, the highest elevation in that area uh, the Continental Divide it's called and we um, went back to base camp and we experienced a very very strange tone that started inside the house but when we moved to investigate. It outside. I stuck my head outside. I heard it uh, move by me out into the sky, which moved us all outside. We'll talk more about that. And uh, it's just a very, very incredible uh, weekend with with this collaborative group and friends. Um, and it, it it definitely was life changing. And we'll talk more about that as the show goes on. I'm sure. But I mean, it certainly uh, changed me in a lot of ways. And it was quite incredible. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll we'll get into all that. But uh, I summarize the questions that we had over over 120 questions were sent in just about the pennsylvania experience and um i sort of su- summarized the main themes into um uh as best i could here so um qu- the 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 most uh common question was what do you think the ufo actually was now remember th- these are people who listen to this show and they tend to be very intelligent yes and they t- tend to look behind things uh, what do you think the UFO actually was, and is there any information that could lead to a conventional explanation? Okay. Uh, I'll preface that by saying that 
Mark Antonio, who was uh, an astronomer and the uh, Mutual UFO Network's national analyst of photo and video uh, material, uh, was supposed to be with us, but something came up. And uh, but I did. He did receive the video. As a matter of fact, we uh, he ha- has been analyzing it, and I, I attended the uh, Mufon. Um, state chapter meeting in Norton, Mass., the following Sunday, and Mark showed it to the group and was explaining about it, and, and uh, he can't, of course, commit to say that it's legitimate. Uh, but um, he, he said he can say a, a sort of an apophatic approach, what it's not. You know, and he did not, and he, as far as I know, has has not found anything that would be illegitimate about it. Nothing uh, <clears throat> explainable in any normal manner. No. And uh, to describe it, and I'll, I'll refer people to uh, behindtheparanormal.com and the uh, talking points for this show. If you go to the um, archives, show archives uh, for um, 2019, uh, right up toward the top, you'll find the May 26th show, and there's a link to the talking points. Uh, our talking points are sort of radio-unfriendly things like pictures that we usually can't show, uh, except if you have the video feed. So there's the uh, photo of the uh, UFO and an inverse there, and some other things that happen as well. Uh, and there is uh, an MP3 of the um, tone which Shane mentioned that was heard uh, the following night. So you can refer to that, uh, and you can see from the photo uh, of the UFO that it, it, it came in, uh, the, it was almost three minutes long, the video we, we received. We have not disseminated that yet. <clears throat> you know, we're being very careful. We don't want it to turn up, uh, you know, big media and all this. <clears throat> and, excuse me, the, uh, it, it see, do you want to describe it, Shane? I mean, it, it, it sort of came in from, I saw it coming in from the north, mm-hmm. And the thing that struck me at first was well, Shane and I both thought that these were landing lights of an aircraft, uh, as it might show through the fog. But it was a crystal clear night. Right. Now, oddly enough, there there was some lightning, but it was it was in the opposite directions, way off to the south. And uh, that was odd too, because it really you'd think it was heat lightning, because there was no thunder, there there was no rain, but it was uh, at that point. But it was uh, still flashing now and then in the distant sky, and uh, but it wasn't particularly warm. So I, I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist, but right. Well, we had a storm that that had um, kind of hit the west, and we so we did expect that storm to come through, and it was supposed to be a direct hit, but instead it did stay to the south, like you yeah. Said. And what I was out in the woods that Thursday night, and we all had our own you know locations where we're all kind of set up where we're gonna you know investigate our own little spot for for the night and, and keep watch. But where I was was some place that I, I like to go when we when we visit this location. Where I can see the sky, so I can I can keep an eye on the sky. I also had like a Bigfoot encounter there, and, and other encounters in this little location. So, mm-hmm. but this time the trees were so full and canopy that I couldn't see the sky at all. And I knew after that storm that we had had passed earlier that day because we could see it off in the distance, just you know, just like machine guns, like lightning going off like crazy. And so by the time I got back to base, well, anyway, so I said I said to myself, I'm like. You know, I know the sky's going to be clear. After this electrical storm that we had, UFOs are quite often they spotted. So, I mean, this is a good night to sky watch. So I went back to base camp. Chuck was sitting on the chairs um, there, the lounge chairs and, and everything. And we were watching these, that in the south, this storm go by. But it was not over over us. We had no clouds or nothing like that. And, um, you know, you could see these, these lightning bolts go going crazy. And that's when we... Switch mics here. Switching mics. All right, so technical difficulty. So that's when we um, 
we all kind of started piling into base camp, sitting in chairs to do the sky watch. And when Alexander Petikoff, I believe, said, guys, guys, what's that over there? And so we all look over, and, and like Paul said, it looked like uh, a plane, when it, when it has its landing gear down, it has that bright spotlight, and it was getting bigger and bigger as it was were to approach the, you know, the, the strip. But as it got closer and closer, it started to change shape, or this, this foggy mass or substance surrounding it, or whatever it was, started to take on the shape of a peanut, or at least the light made it sh- seem that way. Um, but there was a light source in the middle that we could see, this fo- strange foggy mist or, or substance around it, and then we see this, this disc shape, smaller disc shape, but very bright and clear, come out of it from it's 10 or 11 o'clock and then circle down around and then come in and come back up and where they both kind of descend to the five o'clock in a falling leaf pattern kind of slowly left to right left to right and then they just started to go straight down towards the five o'clock where this this little disc of light end up going back into it um so i mean we all witnessed it you could see it i i mean I think we could see it clear, more clearly with our eyes. Our f- phones, for whatever reason, you know, because the the ISO settings or whatever, um, we just couldn't see it with our phones. Like the phones really didn't pick it up. Very dim light, but um, clearly it was it was very bright. We all saw it with our eyes. I think better, more detailed than the the IR goggles that you had picked them up. But I'm glad you had those on because we captured this thing and it was just quite amazing uh, but it was just for me th- like i was kind of like it was a little emotional because we all got to witness it this together you mm. know what i mean and um it, it was i've seen a lot of crazy things in the sky maybe a lot more weird things than this but this was right up there um this was probably the longest event i've witnessed and um but it was like i said it, what was great was we had multiple witnesses and yeah. um and we got to witness it together you yeah know? yeah exactly um yeah i just uh i agree certainly the 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 shape was odd the thing you can see also from the photo and in the video too is a um it's almost as like like this foggy mass which was very bright yes was almost I don't know, hollow or coming in from somewhere else, and there was darker darkness, so to speak. Yes. Right under the center of it. And that made me think, maybe not so much craft, mm-hmm. which is perfectly plausible, uh, not so much craft as intersect point. Or, because I sent, I sent the group a picture that I found of, um, the, uh, there, there is a phenomenon in cosmology and astronomy known as the white hole. Everybody's heard of black holes, and there are also white holes. And energy from somewhere or somewhere else seems to be coming out of these things that nobody really knows. And it kind of looked like that, but it was moving through the sky. And uh, th- this area, the whole point of the flap area is you get intersect points, that's our theory anyway, with all kinds of things coming and going, whether it be Bigfoot or, or craft or whatever. And that that just kind of struck me. As, uh, that's just, just a hunch. So, uh, so it was an intersect point. And maybe the darkness was the darker space of a different world. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, just, that's another thing. Um, now, Ben, you were here in, uh, now, now when we say base camp, by the way, I mean, yeah. we call it that, but it's really a very nice home right, of our lovely hosts, uh, Dan and Alice. And we were sitting out 
around a little fire pit they had in, in some very comfortable lawn chairs. It's not like we were roughing it at that right. point. <laughs> so, um, but that's when, when we all saw this. Well, it's cool too, because you describe like this m- may not have been a craft. It could have been like an opening somewhere, you know, where this other craft came out of, you know, and that, yeah. um, which, Definitely, like you said, it had that light source, but then at the bottom it was darker than the dark sky, um, where it seemed to split, and which is kind of cool because the homeowner Dan, uh, there's Dan and Alice, but Dan is an artist and he he has a painting of a split in in the sky mm-hmm. with a craft coming out of it yeah. or or going into it. I can't remember which, but but uh, you know it was coming out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of exactly what. That could have been interpreted as what we saw in the sky that night. Well, this is not the first sort of thing that's been seen. I mean, residents are there, particularly uh, our friend Melissa, who lives in the house down the road. Uh, this is kind of normal, everyday stuff for them. Yes. You know, she'll sit out on her porch, which you did with her one year uh, on one trip, and all sorts of things uh, are sometimes seen. So, oh yeah, Chuck did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And so, uh, but anyway, th- this is um, again perhaps uh, evidence for an intersect point. The other suggestion was, and this is just by me, that b- based on some of the thought of Carl Sagan and some of the astrobiologists who are uh, looking at extraterrestrial life possibilities, that um, th- this could have been a life form based on plasma. Uh, now, well, this is generally speculated about other planets with maybe a different. Uh, uh, elements constituting an atmosphere than we have but who knows i mean if you've got an intersection so i don't know mark isn't particularly mark d'antonio wasn't particularly fond of that idea but nevertheless it's another possibility so um we don't have uh, really any conventional explanation for this to answer all those who ask the question uh the second um most commonly asked question has been uh, based on your statements in past shows people sometimes feel that experiences like this are meant just for them did any of you feel that way about the ufo sighting or the tone in a way we kind of get into that i think we were, were honored to have these experiences together yes you know absolutely yeah the um yeah do we want to get into that or <laughs> What did did we want? To uh, get well, no, well, you and I need to talk some more. Right? Yeah, yeah. Before we go public with some, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, air our laundry. Right. Not right. that it's dirty laundry. Right? Yeah. <laughs> In the sense of, you know, it, it did profoundly affect us. Yes. Individually, um, I and I've been doing this for almost fifty years, and I mean, criminy. I mean, I, I've never felt quite like this before. Now, I haven't had a lot of UFO. Encounters, or, or and maybe you know, just just a few, but nothing as dramatic as this. But there's, there was something about. I've had a lot of weird things happen. Poltergeist. I've had all you know things. When people see the next book that's coming out in, in August, they're not going to believe some of the stuff that's happened. But it, it did not affect. It affected me profoundly, but not quite as much as this did. Mm. Coupled with the tone the next night. Right. So anyway, so we'll we'll, we'll kind of leave that for the future and and uh, discuss it uh, later. Um, Ben, did, did you have any questions? I, I should be letting you ask these here. Okay. Yeah, uh, come on, Dad. Yeah, yeah. all right, sorry. <laughs> I did, you know, just, this, this is a, sort of a profound sort of thing here. Uh, uh, okay. I, um, uh, where, where, where do we end off? Okay. Yeah. 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 So I guess uh, one, one of the other, the, the sort of other summarized question, <clears throat> excuse me, Many paranormal experts sort of divide the witnesses, like you know, Rendlesham Forest in 1980, and even you know, the Bridgeport Poltergeist case of 1974. Do you feel your experiences in Pennsylvania have united you or divided you as a group, or is it even too early to tell? I think that's a very astute question, 
as, as Shane has said, I feel it it brought us together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, but Reynoldsham, you know, everybody's at each other's throats. Of course, in, in that situation, they were Air Force personnel. And there was probably government interference, as Colonel Halt said. They they were messed with. Uh, we don't have that problem. Yeah. So so far, <laughs> yeah. Um, Bridgeport Poltergeist. That was just sort of chaos, one end to the other. But this this, I find. One of our producers asked us, you know, why do you go all the way down there? And I said, for me, it's to be with uh, our colleagues. You know, we have a unique relationship. And also for me, this is these are highly profound spiritual experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bigfoot experience I had, they, they were, I, I'm not the kind of person who has Bigfoot experience, you know. Right. Um, you know and, and there it was, and Shane too. Yes. So, uh, but I, I, I think it, it, it sort of has cemented... Uh, our uh, the relationship with, with the uh, group of friends that we already are. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, and another on another kind of angle on on that question too. What I like about this event, as opposed to the Rendlesham, was that we actually had several different sources of audio recordings of us describing in real time what we were seeing. Yes. So there's a lot of question in Rendlesham, um, you know, sometimes, you know, or not just Rendlesham, but other other times where you get multiple witnesses and through time the story kind of changes a little bit, in their, even in their own minds, because, you know, that's, that's kind of how sometimes that works. But I'm, I'm glad that we have that audio because we can mm. we can keep it for ourselves as you know because we recorded it in real time exactly how it happened so we can't change it in our own minds and and um you know and nor would we want to when we you know present it to the public and and so yeah. um that audio recording that we have um I think that we have I have the one I got is pretty detailed and and, and you can hear different people describing what we're seeing and I think that's going to be great eventually for everyone to listen to as well. well. Plus we have the show we did the 2 hour special Yes. Uh, on Sunday, we were, it was fresh in our minds that we we're talking yeah. about that. Yeah. So, so, so that's an excellent point, Shane. We really, uh, got a lot of good documentation on that. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't, you know, we, uh, we have not released the video. I guess technically it's mine because I took it into my camera, but I don't care about that. I, you know, I think as a group we make, we make decisions, uh, by mutual agreement. And, um, we, we sent it to Mark, and he used it for the, you know, in the, in the small group. But we're not, we're not going to release it. It was on the show. We played it on the show. Yeah. But uh, we're kind of playing it close to the vest until it's totally analyzed, and we decide together what what we should do with it. And we may make our own production about that, that flap area case and include that. These, this all has yet to be decided. So, um, yeah, I think we uh, we have been more brought together as a group with with this, uh, this sort of thing. You share something very special. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, Ben, what's next? So, when it comes to the tone, uh, had any of the group experienced this kind of thing before? Uh, what could its origins have been, and did it have a purpose? Well, tones like this in, in situations like these are very rare. Um, you know, I've been doing UFO research for a long time, abduction research too, even though, you know, a lot of people don't know that about me, but I've been doing that just as long as, um, I have been dealing with the, the paranormal and stuff. Um, I also have other friends who, who, um, work on high levels in, in this regard, and I've discussed with them this tone, and even they said that hearing a tone like this, and I, you know, I, I let them listen to it, is extremely rare, um, but, but indeed, um, 
they had to agree with with the circumstance and just you know believe in me for my word that it started on on the inside of the house and moved outside up into the sky and then it moved down the road and i had that um sound to a gentleman that i have that that creates frequencies and different uh, tones and and um for for different purposes but that's what he does for a living and um he analyzed the tone and he was looking for data to see if there was like data embedded or whatever and he said it wasn't as good of a tone but what he did get out of it was that he believed that it, as it moved away from us and, and i didn't tell him that he, he said at this point where it, it changes it's it could have been moving away or or changing its velocity which changed the pitch the only time the pitch actually changed was when that ha- when when that happened he didn't know that it actually moved down, started moving down the road yeah. away from us. So like the Doppler shift almost? Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, sometimes usually it, it, you, as it moved away, you, you would think it would get uh, lower in tone. But it, um, but he he described it better than I could, I guess. But he believed that um, it could have been moving away as it changed velocity, changing the, the pitch. Because hmm. the whole time it was... Oh, because it's moving faster than yeah. or it changes pitch. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, so it, it, it was weird. Yeah, so it was kind of cool that he actually saw that on on his. He looked at it in through three different types of graphs and and could see that on each one of them. And that's what his determination was. When it must have changed velocity as it was moving away, changing the pitch of it, um, which was the only time that because it, it stayed pretty steady. That 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 tone was pretty steady. There was it was a, a perfect C. Yes. Yeah, and, and Ben commented, as a matter of fact, during the show the next day on it when he heard it uh, that it didn't decay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Just, so just like a, a tuning fork or something, or like one. yeah, that would. Yeah. Now the only other time I have experienced anything like that was not really in the case of a paranormal situation. It was. Um, it's a very long and personal, deeply personal story. But suffice it to say that I, when we moved to um, our our current home, Ben, you were four years old at the time. Uh, we moved out of a lovely wooded hollow in Cumberland, Rhode Island. And uh, I, I was very, uh, I had very much bonded to the land there, and it was upsetting to leave that. I, you know, it was like leaving a family member. And it was two o'clock in the morning, and I had gotten out of bed, and I was just sort of looking out the window. And it's a lovely place where we live now; it's just not as big in the sense of land. And I heard a perfect C, but it was like a panpipe, mm-hmm. you know. And nobody, believe me, nobody was out in my yard at two o'clock in the morning with a panpipe, you know. And um, but I, I sort of took it as reassurance that it's okay. You can bond with this land too, which I have done. And um, I, it was just very simple and rather spiritual. And um, what one, one often would think about Pan, the Greek god who <laughs> took care of the land, you know. And then the Pan, he would be pictured. With pan pipes, maybe that's where the idea came from. People heard these sounds, mm. you know. So, um, guardian of the land or something, you know. I tell you, the, the sea tone has always been weird for me too. Like if I'm in a shower and there's like a, a ceiling vent and it's like that constant. If it's in that yeah. if, in that key, or there's other things too. Sometimes it sounds of the crowd almost takes on that same quarter at times, and yeah. and, and I it does something weird to me. Like um, I start hearing other voices and and noise and things start coming through to me basically, like communications to me and. Um, it's, it can be overwhelming, actually, but huh. Kia C has always been really special to me. So when, you know, in retrospect, after we heard that tone and everybody went to bed, I was standing outside my car, 
um, in the area where it had left, you know, the, where that mm. tone disappeared from. And, um, and then that's when it dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute, that, that was a key of C, you yeah. know, and, and I played back the tone that we had originally played that night. And I'm like, yeah, t- totally sounded different, but still in the same key, you know. Yeah. It's like uh, Close Encounters, the third kind. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I didn't even think of that, that until when I was yeah. I was telling somebody. And yeah, someone brought that up, and I'm like, they referred to that as a tone. Didn't right? even dawn on yeah. me. Like, didn't even think of that. Well, Ben, you had some insights on that. Uh, was, was it psycho audio? But psychoacoustics. Psychoacoustics, yeah. Yeah, I don't know as as much as I'd like to know about psychoacoustics. I just know some basic basic stuff about it, um, and I, I thought it was interesting that. It it's it, it sounded, I the things that like immediately stuck out to me were it didn't decay, so it didn't it didn't you know decrease in volume at any point in time, and you know it didn't turn into like other notes. It was just like that. Per, it was just like basically a sine wave, but it sounded metallic, almost like not such so much a tuning fork, but more of like a Tibetan singing bowl, mm-hmm. and. I was I was talking with somebody about it and I was trying to explain like they're like oh well I mean you know anything could have made something like that I'm like uh, I don't know I I think whatever whatever me whatever the source was for it it sounded metallic and it just it it just kept it was just steady completely steady which is like not impossible but it's it's like it's it's hard to kind of replicate something like that and to have it move from place to place which is weird um i don't know much about psychoacoustics in the realm of basic in in the in the realm of, of various tones and how they affect how you think um i do i do know about very high frequency and very low frequency stuff um when it when it comes to that it's Regular. Uh, what I do know is people like a very, very specific set of chords, and they like a very, very specific set of notes put all together. Which is why pop music is the same four chord structure, <laughs> because it's you know uh, C D A G. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's and it's all all the same chords, just you know mixed around in in different arrangements. But people like it. Um, but I mean, what people like and listen to changes throughout the centuries. So I mean, if you if you found a piece of I don't know um, medieval music with before like you know the the common note structure was made, it was basically the equivalent of tablature. Um, you know, if you played something like that, the chord structures would be very weird to us now. Like we wouldn't really recognize it. And it would be what would be pleasant to them is not necessarily pleasant to us. But what is the same is the basic scales. And everybody learns, you know, your basic major scale, which is C. And everybody likes that for some reason. Our our minds are just drawn to anything sort of in the C major realm or C minor realm. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to sit down at a piano, you always put your your left thumb on middle C or right thumb. Your right thumb on middle C. You always start That's there. Correct. Yep. You always start there. I don't. I don't know if there's any sort of correlation between that and some sort of, um, you know, psychoacoustic thing where like we respond to these notes. But um, I don't know. Hmm. Oh, we're gonna, oh yeah, it is. Our, it is time for a break. Time for a break. <laughs> Happen to glance at the clock. Anyway, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our special guest co-host Shane Searway uh, here on WON 1240 and. 1240 AM and 99.3 FM. And we'll be right back, so stick with us. 
Hi, this is Romeo Berthio. I'm reminding you that I'm back for another season of Saturday shows every Saturday morning from 6 to 9. Along with my producer, Darren Cooper, we play your favorites, check out local news stories, give you the latest scores and the winning lottery numbers. And occasionally we feature some public service announcements. It's the Saturday show every weekend here on ON Radio. Hi, I'm Dave Gobiel, the president of the Blackstone Valley Buy Local Group, supporting and promoting the independently owned businesses of our area. If you're not a member, I'd love a chance to sign you up. Message me at our Buy Local Blackstone Valley Facebook page or go to buylocalbv.org if you wish to sign up today. And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. We have uh, Paul and Ben today, of course, and our uh, favorite guest co-host, uh, Shane Searway. And we're, we're talking about the amazing events uh, that we experienced in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Triangle, at the end of May, the last few days of May. And uh, we are answering uh, huge numbers of questions from listeners. Uh, I've kind of bunched them together to summarize uh, the themes, and um, we're pretty much on... Um, uh, the tone we were experienced, uh, all of us. Uh, before we leave that subject as such, the, the funny thing is that Chuck Credo uh, did not hear the tone. He was um, there was a, a door was ajar into the the apartment that our hosts very kindly let us use when we're there and off the garage. And uh, he had just gotten into bed. He was not asleep, wide awake. But we but but uh, the res- there were let's see there were um, all of us except Chuck. So that's like seven people. Six people, I should say. Now, let, let me count now. There, there was um, there was you, Shane, me, Lorraine Andrew from our show um, crew there. Also, um, Alexander Petikoff, that's five. Mm-hmm. And um, th- that, that, that would be, it would have been five. Right. And um, Chuck was uh, climbing into bed there, and he, was, he didn't hear it. He, right through the door. And so where, w- where was everybody else in the house? Uh, the, the only other people, we were all in the garage, our group, okay. saying goodnight. Yeah, the garage, and then Alice and Dan, the homeowners, were up in bed, right? Yeah, because it was like after one in the morning. And did they hear it? No. No, they were on the kind of on the other side, um, well, above us, but just further down a little bit. Chuck was just, so if you split the house it, um, in half, half was like a garage storage area, the other half was a finished basement. Yeah. And so Chuck was in the other half, but mm-hmm. just surrounded by like just a, a adjoining wall, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, with that one door or whatever. So, I mean, if, here's here's a, a, a possible explanation for why they didn't hear it, Um so when in any in any other, you know you're you're outside a room, right? Um, doors closed. You hear two people talking on the inside. You sort of hear like muffled conversation. So what you do hear are the freak the frequencies that can pass through walls and doors, which you know you can get all sorts of you know sound deadening stuff that that doesn't allow certain frequencies to pass or it baffles. It's it's literally called baffling. Um, baffles. The, the sound waves so that they don't pass through or they bounce off in different ways. But um, if, it's, if it's one specific frequency, then it might not have been able to travel through, mm. um, you know, the other walls, which if it, the, the interesting thing about that is if you, if you know about um, – uh, it, it's basically like resonance, right? So resonance is basically like a frequency not being able to pass through a structure. Um, 
So if this is just one singular tone, that would explain why nobody else heard it. Because it wasn't, it might not have been loud enough to pass through, or it might not have been like at the right frequency to pass through every wall. Because the garage door was open, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 no, not to the outside. No. no, Lori had just come in at one point as we were hearing the tone, and she was standing in front of the door. So next to her was the door, which was closed. Um, she had closed, and then the laundry room door, which was right next to her, yes. which was on the other side. And so when she's like, guys, it's because we're all looking at our phone trying to figure out where this is coming from because yeah. you couldn't tell. She goes, it's right above my head. So I went over to her, and and it did. It sounded like I could reach up and grab it. Um, and then we're, what, she's like, what's up, 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 up above us? Excuse me. And I said, there's nothing up there. And then the homeowners were in bed. Um, it, it was There's just a landing. Yeah, above. but smoke alarms, I mean, you can't mistake those. I mean, they're... No, smoke right. alarm... Well, smoke alarm's designed to to pass through pretty much everything. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you can hear it in every room, which is why if you're, like, walking down the street and someone has their, like, smoke alarm going off, you can hear it from mm-hmm. the street. Like, you know, in, in my neighborhood where someone's was just going off for, like, an hour <laughs> and... It wasn't on fire. Don't worry. I was. Well, that's I, was yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I checked, yeah. but it was like it was just it was just going off, you know. Um, and like you know, you can you can hear it throughout throughout the house, and you can hear it through walls. But if it's like some very specific frequency, you know, and chances are it wouldn't one sine wave wouldn't be able to penetrate you know certain surfaces. Mm-hmm. So you know, if it if it's uh, I can't think of the word, the the technical term. I want to say oscillate, but that's not the right word. Um, but if it's if it's basically if the source is emitting this this frequency, more than likely, it's just not passing through anywhere else, which is why no one else woke up. Which is what I thought because when when I was there with Lori and I said, you know, it's like I could grab it, and then all of a sudden I said, let me make sure it's not in the laundry room, like a wash and dryer. Maybe the tone got stuck. You know, maybe you finished the load and it was, you know. Yeah, I, remember, I remember you saying that. Yeah. yeah. So I opened the door and it clearly was not in there. So I I closed that door, still above my head. I opened the door to go outside and I had my body in the house and I stuck my head outside. The tone was still above me in the house. And it was not outside. And then all of a sudden, I heard it shift and it go outside. It was not outside until I opened the door, yeah. and and it took a few seconds, and then it moved outside. And that's when we all moved outside, and and um, and that's when Alex said, "Guys, it's drawn us outside." Yeah. You know? And then he walked further out onto the onto the lawn. He said, "It's right above me. It's right above me." Mm-hmm. So it was. It well, w- at one point it faded and then came back. Yes. Or, or powered up, as Chuck, Chuck would say. Well. The, Mark D'Antonio, who unfortunately wasn't with us uh, when he listened to it, he his opinion was that it was probably seismic in origin. Now, all kinds of strange sounds can come out of the earth and sound like they're coming out of the sky. At least that's the theory. I don't know a lot about that, except that the, people are reporting a lot of these sounds. But but as, I said, Mark, you know, as far as movement of that kind yeah. uh, from inside to outside, um, he said, well, you know, bears further. And Mark is our... Uh, keeps our our feet on the ground, you know, oh, yeah. uh, with with these things. But um, so we really, we just don't know. But it was it was absolutely remarkable and very pleasant to listen to. That's the thing for me. That tone had more of an impact on me than anything else that yeah. weekend. The UFO event was is, was incredible, but that that tone did something to me. That, yeah, you know, for sure. Do you sure. feel they were connected? Um, the two events. I mean, that wasn't all that happened, but I mean, those are the two major. Events. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but what I do, I mean, we could talk more about it, you know, after you and I talk some more, because I, I, there's, there's a way I interpret what, what happened, and I don't want to just say it just yet, 
but um um yeah i won't say it just yet but but i think the the, the seeing the ufo was or whatever it was that event uh, that we saw in the sky um i don't think was necessarily there for us or for uh, us to witness um we got to witness it but I I do feel that that tone was meant for us. Okay. So whether or not they were of the same origin, I don't know. But but I think both events happened for different reasons. Yeah. I think the tone was meant for us. Okay. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, okay. Well, I, um, I don't want this. We, I want to get to some individual questions here, but uh, very very quickly, Ben, can we deal with that uh, second to last one? Sure. So uh, you said on the twenty sixth or the May twenty sixth show <clears throat> that you used uh, sounds and music for the first time in a case. Uh, what were the sounds and music? Okay, Shane, you used some tones and I used some music. Right. So yes. whether it had to do with anything, I don't know. But I mean, both events took place after we played the sounds and, and the music. Uh, yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did some tones that um, were part of a SETI thing, um, a Mount Shasta, and um, having no faith in it at all, I just <laughs> yeah. I, I heard you know some people swear that it works, um, some people that I know personally um, that that swear that it works for them, and I said you know well let's give it a shot, you know, and so I played them. Whether it had anything to do with you know what we what we heard or not, I don't know. It was but it was kind of weird because one of those tones that we played, it was actually one tone just played in three different samplings like different versions and in one of them had the, it was in the same key as what we actually heard yeah. that night so maybe it did have something to do with it maybe it didn't yeah. I don't know but. well just briefly I, I used some music uh, by there's a Scandinavian American composer um, Morden Lauridsen L-A-U-R-I-D-S-E-N and it's very I always thought it's very haunting it's, it's uh, written recently it's uh, he uses brilliant use of dissonance um you know, it's tones that usually wouldn't go together, but, but then it comes out. It just, I really just think it's beautiful and very haunting. So it, it, I just, I used that uh, up when I was by myself bef- on the, the after, the late afternoon of the, well, early evening of the UFO sighting before it happened. And, uh, all these, uh, these white lights started flashing around my truck when I played. So I, I don't know. And we saw them down the field from you. Um, I started seeing these large balls of light. You know, Chuck was, uh, he saw a couple and then he's like, oh, th- those must have been lightning bugs. We didn't think yeah. they were out yet. But yeah. I think he saw a couple that he didn't feel were lightning bugs. I definitely saw two, um, around the time you were doing that. Yeah. That were not lightning bugs. No, exactly. But yeah, I know I've spent half my life in the woods. I know lightning bugs when I see them. Yeah, there was one above the house that at arm length i mean it was the size of a basketball at yeah, arm's right. length, but it was above the house yeah. and um it just appeared and it's like one two and then it whoosh, moved yeah. off and um i saw i saw that you know a couple times you know during that whole yeah. process so, when you were playing your, your exactly music. so maybe lordson is a, is a rock star in the multiverse i mean who knows <laughs> so um all right we want to uh move on to some individual questions uh, so, uh, people also wanted to know who attacked our website as soon as i tried to upload the the shots of the UFO that they went down. I'm still trying to straighten that. It's there. All most of the elements are back there, but um, it's uh, it's still going to be kind of a um, a long uh, long trek there. All right, we have. Um, I'm going to go right first to someone we haven't heard from in a while. Uh, Phil from Orange, Massachusetts, a good friend, and uh, someone who writes uh, some very uh, uh, astute questions all the time. Um, ben has is out doing his producer thing, so I'll read it. Uh, gentlemen, during his presentation at the 2006 UFO Congress, Russell Targ, uh, who was one of the first remote viewers employed by the CIA for Project Stargate, said he happened to notice a UFO while sending his consciousness somewhere, so he took the liberty of going aboard. 
The greys on the ship were immediately aware of his presence, and the visit might have ended badly were it not for his superior, his superior yelling at him to get out of there. He was later told that some greys have the ability to capture human souls with grave implications for curious remote viewers. Have you or Shane ever heard of this risk for remote viewers? Um, I have, actually. Mm-hmm. There are several people we've had on the show who can talk about that. I'm not sure I would approach it that way. Um, what do you say, sir? Yeah, I've read the same thing, and not only just re- remote viewers, but um, you know, people with um, through dreams, even you know, yeah. I, I've heard this happening um, for sure. I mean, you know, we don't know; none of this is true at all. Um, we don't know if it's, but it's just you know, uh, speculation, or ideas, or yeah. theories. But, but, um, but I have heard this, and even to a more extreme too, as well. But yeah. Well, just a word on what remote viewing is. Uh, there are different interpretations of it, but basically someone, uh, as Phil said, can send their consciousness to another location or, or place. The, the Project Stargate was trying to use this to, to spy on enemy movements, uh, even possibly take it to the point of uh, psychokinesis or detonating ordnance at a distance, that sort of thing. And uh, it's... It, Still going on those experiments, although these they say, well, well, Project Stargate ended. Well, it probably didn't end. I mean, they changed the name, maybe moved to a different uh, location. But uh, these things are going on. But I, we really don't know. But that leads right into another question here from um, Peter, our faithful listener in Columbia, South America, who also is curious about remote viewing. Alrighty, so Peter writes to us. Uh, regarding the UFO scene in your recent amazing UFO investigation, um, would there be any point in trying to remote view it? Uh, perhaps you have tried. Okay, well, I mean, uh, at the risk of having my soul captured by greys, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I, I really have not, uh, I'm not, not really very good at, at remote viewing. Uh, I have never, I, I, I don't know, to me it's, when I have been able to do something like that, I don't approach it as projecting consciousness. I approach it as going to where I'm already there in a parallel reality. But, you know, people who listen to the show know about our goofy theories in that in that direction. But uh, so I've had. But as far as uh, being a boy, I mean, first you have to assume that it's a craft. Uh, if it's not a craft, if it's something like a, an intersect point, such as we, you know, who knows where you'll end up? Mm. You know, if you, if you tried that, I mean, theoretically. So uh, my answer is no. I I, I don't. The night we saw that, the, the first night we were there and we saw that UFO, um, when I first got back to the house, you know, what, which I was calling base camp, but, and I yeah. said out by the fireplace, you know, with, with Chuck, um, you know, Chuck's like, let's do a meditation. And Chuck's like, T- tell me to, to envision this and this and that. So I, I did. I started meditating and, and, and just following what he, what, what he was saying, you know, just, uh, we're playing along, right? And it was not even an hour later we saw that UFO event. The next night we were all on top of the mountain and we did the same thing as a team. And then we got back to the house and we heard that tone, you know, so. Yeah. Well, it, one thing we have mentioned too is when we were on that mountain, um, yes. there was, there was a very weird, kind of oddly creepy picture that we got it was part of a video um and it was uh lori the, the uh, producer who had, she had arrived the day after everybody else and also with andrew the research assistant and they she was standing by herself at the end of the picnic table and in the video you can see you standing there you're doing this meditation chuck and uh melissa one of the local residents and also uh, alexander petikoff are sitting at this picnic table and uh, Laurie's standing at the end, and there's a, a really f- figure that we most we agree wasn't there, 
really kind of scrunched up against Lori's left side, almost like a child. Or but but there is but I think the person was seated. Now Andrew was with me through most of that because we we were I was photographing and he was off to the side. Now, now the thing is, I have my it's a very creepy picture, but I, but it's it's uh, taken with infrared, so it's naturally it's going to look kind of you know very bright and creepy, but it was very very dark. So uh, I'm reserving judgment on that because uh, at one point Andrew did go over and sit there, but he didn't sit right up against Laurie like that. He was uh, on the other side of the picnic table, mm. you know. So uh, I'm reserving judgment on that's also on our talking points page. Uh, I'm reserving judgment on it uh, personally, uh, but, but I'm still going through footage and shots that we took because we took so many. So we'll see. You know, maybe that was nothing, but people can look at it and it's very, uh, very kind of creepy. But people have. Have uh, who have seen it have said it's very it's it's very uh, nice and and kind of looks like a child kind of mm. scrunching up and and or whatever so I don't know whatever it is it's pretty clear and obvious that it, you know, yeah. there's something there for sure exactly so so uh, this was a very eventful weekend uh, what do we we have uh, another question from I mean you answered here? like three of them in a row but <laughs> oh, okay all right because the next question was how would you go about uh, remote viewing that UFO which you kind of already answered. Um, which would be going, you know, where you yeah. already are in, in, in the multiverse. Anyway, well, uh, have you ever experimented with remote viewing, which you've answered? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last one, which we have not answered, is have you ever investigated any crop circles? Oh, um, I have not, not for lack of trying. I remember one time I was, it was 1989, I was in England for a different reason, the, the Beast of Exmoor ex, uh, investigation. And I was driving by a field in Devonshire where we have a lot of relatives, and uh, there was all these cars lined up in the middle of nowhere. And I said, what the hey was that? It was a crop circle. I could have gotten out of the car and walked in and seen the crop circle. <laughs> so that's as close as, as I've gotten. I've talked with a lot of people who have, uh, particularly in Canada, uh, Ontario, and Saskatchewan have a lot of uh, crop circles as well. So, uh, Shane, I don't know if you've... Never, never heard you mention that. No, no, I've never, <laughs> never been on at one. Never been on scene. Done a lot um, of shows on it. Yeah, and people I, have. I do believe that a lot of them are legit. Um, I also know there's a lot of fake ones out there, but there's some that there's no way people could fake. There's some yeah. incredible ones out there, and I'm, I'm more interested in ones that you know kind of throw off the the Gaga counter and all that stuff, and you know they have other evidence other than just you know push mm. down brush, but uh, but they're. they're yeah, but no, I never have. I, w- I would be yeah. interested in doing that. Well, as a slight addendum, uh, Colin Andrews, who was like like the the, the king of the crop circle researchers uh, from uh, England, was now lives in Connecticut, within a hundred miles of where we are right now. And uh, I we're we're friends, but I've never been able to get his schedule so that he's on the show and i also think he's kind of like left some of this behind him i don't want to speak for him but uh we'd love to get him on the show sometime because he's written a number of books on that and was uh, one of the original uh serious researchers into crop circles in the uk hmm. so uh, but that's for another day uh okay we have um uh okay we've answered peter okay good so i think maybe we might have time for one more here there's uh sure Chris from Ogden, Utah. Alrighty, so is that Ogden, Utah? Yes. Oh, okay. Good, good guess. Well, <laughs> slight guess, informed guess. Yes. Uh, so Chris writes to us. This is a little hard to word, so bear with me. Uh, I have heard you say that paranormal experiences can be very personal, and I have had lots of those. What do you do when the experience seems positive, but you feel there is something wrong about it, or when the experience seems negative, but you feel there is something positive about it? 
That's a very good question, mm. Shane. Huh. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even have time to read that and think about that. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, All right. Well, I, I, yeah, I give me a second. Yeah, you go ahead. Uh, the the notion that uh, trusting your gut is, I think, very important as opposed to wishful thinking. Um, very often, I'll be talking to people who have seen mediums uh, and gotten advice from them or psychics. And uh, they will say something like this. You know, it sounded like good advice, but there's just something wrong about it. Or, vi- or or it didn't sound very positive. But on the other hand, I think it might. I think in the end, you really do have to follow your gut. But you also need to follow your brain. Okay? Uh, magical thinking should not overwhelm critical thinking. Okay? So if something doesn't feel right, um, I, I would pay attention to that. You know, and you I mean w- I didn't win a million dollars from the prince of Nigeria? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you just say Nigeria is a republic. I don't have well, to. I don't know. You get those emails. That's the say, first thing. Oh, yeah. So if something seems too good, you know, if something it sounds good but you don't feel right about it, oh, that's where I was going with it. We that. are. I, I yeah, know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so it just uh, I would have to say case by case, um, but caution is. Uh, always the order of the day, and uh, I would say you sort of follow your gut, but just be very careful. Uh, stay away from it entirely if you can, you know. But that's easy to say unless you know if something comes into your life and starts affecting you in a paranormal way. I mean, it's just. But then on the on the opposite side of the spectrum, what if something seems negative, but there's something positive about it? I.e., mm. um, that little girl from Pennsylvania case who was. Completely terrified of Bigfoot. Yeah. But yet, you know, you have your experience, Dad, where it's like you feel sort of uh, honored. Was that it? Was that yeah, it? A, a privileged. Privileged. Tenth of a mile away. Yeah. I had my experience from where she had hers. Hers was terrifying. Mine was beautiful. Yeah. So what what would you say about that? Something that's that's perceived that you you would initially perceive as negative, but there's something positive about it. Well, I think the experience depends on what you bring to it. Yeah. Like uh, Shane and I and, and most of our group, we ap- approach with great respect and reverence, especially in a natural area. And uh, I have I have never really had anything but a, a um, at worst neutral experience in an area like that. And but I've never really been attacked or frightened, except in like the the Bridgeport Poltergeist case, things like that, uh, which was a very negative environment. And you know I was I was not in control of it. Uh, so that, that's really the best way I can put it. I think it, you, if you bring a good attitude toward it, you're going to have a better experience. However, if we're talking about parasites and negative stuff, I mean, even with that, I, I've, I wouldn't advise anybody to try this, but I've, I've, had, I've done experiments with bringing positive energy and love and compassion and targeting a parasite with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, they will disappear or go somewhere else and on very very rare occasions, they will respond to it. Now I don't I don't know if I trust it, but that has happened. I've had uh, there was one guy in Indiana who said he he was the thing would apologize to him for the way it had to live, i.e. sucking his energy as food. Yeah. So I, I mean, think our our you know where we are too, like you said, love and positive energy and stuff like that also can influence the you know the experience, not just the experience, but the entity or or you know that's that we're encountering you know what i mean so it can mm. kind of change that because of that reason too just like 
<clears throat> but intuition and following that is very, very important. But it, it's like you know, animals. They they know when they they encounter another animal. They they know to be afraid of it uh, if it's a predator or not. We uh, dogs, you know, when pe- you know, a human beings not not a good human being. You know, it's mm. all vibrations. So we're picking up on certain vibrations that we know we. we to be afraid of and move away from even though it might look beautiful so i say follow your intuition because it's instinctual you know it's 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 programmed into us and um, just like animals you know they they know when something's going to try to kill them and they they know to stay away from it and it's all through vibrations of, of what's being given off and some of these situations are the same thing and i think the vibrations we give off can influence our our you know whatever we're encountering as well and maybe perhaps change that entity or that encounter Oh, perhaps uh, Ben. Um, yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. I'm kind of a, a believer in, you know, you you kind of make the experience yourself, um, and um, kind of what you bring to it's what you get out of it. And I, yeah, I, I, oh God, I need I need a lot more time to think about this. Yeah, right, right, right. because there's so because there's so many ifs or ands or buts. It's like, oh, cool, hey, you know, there's. The ghost of your, or like, you know, there's there's your grandma, she's there to visit, but is it your grandma? Or yeah, like, right. or, you know, some wispy figure appears and, you know, fixes your plumbing or something. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's kind of weird, but like, hey, thanks for fixing my plumbing. Like, Yeah. Well, I think we, we're just about out of time for this, but we can continue. Uh, on, we have enough questions for another couple of open line shows. Our next one is July 21st, and we'll continue uh, with, with that, uh, with, with our theme uh, at that point. So let's get to our announcements at this point. Uh, most of our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, is back up and running. After being down for a week because of a cyber attack, uh, we're gradually restoring the 850 or so shows and podcasts from the archives. Uh, we're into 2013 now, and up, up to now it has been restored, uh, among the other elements. And meanwhile, life goes on. Uh, one month from today, on Tuesday, July 16th, I'll be, and hope, maybe Ben hopefully as well, at the Linfield Public Library in Linfield, Massachusetts, to speak about UFOs, mostly local cases, and that will be at 6.30 p.m. Uh, details on the public events page at BehindTheParanormal.com. And on Tuesday, October 6th, uh, that's at 7 p.m., my dad and I will be at the Nashua Public Library uh, in Nashua, New Hampshire, to present a program entitled Extreme UFO Encounters in New Hampshire and Beyond. Right after that, on Saturday, August 17th at 2 p.m., Paul and Ben will be at the Haverhill Public Library in Haverhill, Mass., to present on Extreme UFO Encounters in Massachusetts and Beyond. You know, Shane, you, you're, you're, you come to any of these things. If you can make a cameo, that would make an even better program <laughs> at any of these things. This is all sort of in your domain up there. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sure. Uh, my book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, will be released on August 28th. And we'll be in stores after that, and we'll feature at our fall events. It's available for pre-order on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, etc. The official release event will take place with our good friends at the Toadstool Bookshop in Keene, New Hampshire, on Saturday, September 21st, beginning at 2 p.m. But before that uh, will be the 2019 Exeter UFO Festival, where we will speak for the eighth year in a row, as well as do our fourth annual live broadcast of this show. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. So with the panel of the speakers on Sunday, uh, September 1st, uh, from the Exeter, New Hampshire uh, Town Hall, this great event is sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club, uh, which benefits local children's charities. 
Okay, and uh, there's all kinds of other stuff, but it's all on the website. We better we're running out of time. We probably better move on. Please check our charities as well from the uh, with the website there, um, particularly the veterans charities, uh, U.S. and Canadian as well. Uh, so Ben, what do we have uh, for next week? So on June 23rd, we'll have a uh, special tribute to the late Stanton T. Friedman with some clips from past shows we uh, he did with us and some uh, special guest callers. Okay. Uh, we'll leave you this afternoon with a thought from 20th century American author Og Mendino. Beginning today, treat everyone you meet as if they were going to be dead by midnight. Extend to them all the care, kindness, and understanding you can muster, and do it no, with, without a thought for any reward. Your life will never be the same again. I'm Paul Eno. And Ben Eno. And I'm Shane Sayway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.